This is episode three from the Romeo Carey podcast archive. This dates back to 2015, an interview with Bill Rosenthal, an American politician. Uh, he was a cable executive for years, illustrious career, was in the military, served under presidents, under Rockefeller, did some really amazing things. He was the 11th District City Council 2005, he won a seat and was a figure on cable television for years where he won uh, a multitude of cable awards. We interviewed him for the Skippy documentary, Skippy Lowe, the uh, cable uh, interviewer. And he was going to, the interview went on for an hour. We, we were going to use about one, you know, one or two takes from the outtakes, but it was the last interview for Bill Rosenthal because he was suffering from cancer. So uh, I really enjoyed his final interview. He was a trooper pushing the envelope to the very end. My uh, associate uh, producing partner, Robbie Curtis, was also on hand. So here it is, uh, Bill Rosenthal's final interview, taking us back to 2015. We're in the cameras and all that stuff. Here they are, look. They came over a couple of days ago. Oh, thanks for me. Oh yeah, that's a great picture. See? And 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 that's uh, one of the guys that they're all they all worked for me at that point and we cranked out all those shows. I would have loved to have worked for you. That was a lot of fun. You were somebody that I, I so admired. Well, uh, because you were always there on my television and you were always <laughs> telling me something that was interesting or helpful, informational, uh, and, you know, and then when you went on to the city council, I was just, I said, I felt like I was there because I knew you, even though I never met you, because I grew up watching you. Well, it was a lot of fun. I, I got a kick out of it. Well, that's the same here, because I knew, I knew him just because he was always on TV, right. local television. Every go. day I controlled the channel. Yeah. <laughs> I had channel 10, and then it ran up to Malibu. That's where these characters, like I would go to a place called the Grill in Beverly Hills uh -huh, sure. with, with Fred Cunningham, who's a bureaucrat in Beverly Hills. I know Fred. Government, Fred's dear friend. And we go there at 11.45, that was his time frame. And we walked in one day and Ed Hookstratton, who, who owns it, Bill, Bill, come here, would you, you got some time? Uh, he said, I want you to meet Johnny Carson. He wants to talk with you. So I sat down and Johnny starts going on and on. He's my biggest fan and he's been watching my show for years. And how do I do it without a script or a prompter? And that, I told him everything I do. And he's sitting there like a child mm -hmm. with the star. And I, I came home that night and I told Swami, have you seen him? The dead guy in my front room? Swami no, X uh -uh. from Venice Beach? No, I'll go take a look. I'll go take a look right now and then I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah. To the left. Make a right. In the closed room? Yeah. You see him? In the room with the hospital bed? Yeah. Is he under the sheet? Yeah, just go in there. God's sake. You know, I write things down on my address book. 
and if I don't, I forget. And then I don't even know what I did until I go back and look in the book again. Is that a real wow. person in there? Yeah, it's Swami X. From Venice Beach. Rome? You can go look. Really? Yeah. All right, let me get... I didn't make that up. He moved in here 17 years ago. Never left. And he started, started this croaking shit about seven years ago. Collapsed, broke his hip. I took him to my hospital, they straightened him out. They put him in a convalescent hospital called Fireside Convalescent Hospital, Third Street near the beach. I said, great. Every day I visited him. Turns out that's a death house. They do nothing for you but kill you. And on the 29th day, he goes, please take me out of here. So I got an ambulance, took him back to St. John's, stabilized him, took four days to stabilize him at St. John's. And they wanted to put him across the street uh, in Berkeley East. And he says, Take me home. So I set up all this shit here four years ago, five years ago. And a couple of years ago on his birthday, I had a birthday party for him. Antonio Villaragosa was here, who was a fan of his when he was a student at UCLA. Tony and I were cutting a ribbon at a, at a fire station down the road. And, he, you know, I used to give him my eggs, my chicken's eggs. And I said, you, you never seen my chickens? No, I said, come on by. And in route, I told him that there was a guy here and who he was. He said, Swami X, when I was at UCLA, I go out there and go <laughs> at lunchtime and, and listen, wow. And he comes, he runs out of his car, you know, all this police bullshit. Comes right in and Swami was sitting at a dining room table writing his memoirs, which he did for years. And they sat there like two kids, two peas in a pod. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then a year later, if you look in the room, you'll see a plaque that I presented to Swami, the mayor signed, and we had a big party here, a couple hundred people, uh, a lot of press, LA Times sent a, a reporter that did both the new technology stuff, plus the old, the print, and the video, and all these things. Uh, in fact, she came over to see me the other day, this reporter, thought she was gonna do a fucking story. She wanted my advice, uh, she's a lesbian, and I, you know, she said I was so impressed with you, how you talked about gay, rights and gay people. She says, I'm a lesbian. I didn't tell anybody, but you helped me come out. So on Thanksgiving, she brought her girlfriend to her parents and everything went well. Oh, good. But I didn't know, you know, that that, that happened. But I gotta write this name down. Paul Charade has his 90th birthday party. He's the guy who got shot when Bobby got shot. Bobby's last words were, how is Paul? He got obsessed with that. When I became a big shot, I ended up helping him create the complex of schools. Wow. And I had the power to name the library after him. The library is the uh, Paul Charest Library. And he's turning 90. His wife is in a nursing home. She's barely able. And, and he's in a wheelchair. So even with all that you've got going on, you're still active as hell. As best I can. Good for you. You know, but it's hard. Another gay couple want to have me marry them. They want to go to Norway with me this week to get me sworn in again. And they want to do the wedding next week. Okay, Barbara Cohen, 11.28. I gotta be ready for her on the, on the 18th. Okay, takes care of Barbara. So you don't have an assistant, somebody to help you with all this stuff? No, you do it all on your own. I have nobody. take a look at Swami. Yeah, let me show you. Yeah, and say hi to him. He's not dead yet. He might outlive me, I think.
He kind of opened his eyes up, but then See? closed them again. He took a, he gave us a, gave us a nice signal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. amazing. How old is he? Uh, it'll be 89 on Wednesday. Wow, amazing. Wow. Unbelievable. But it's only been the last couple of years he's been, and the last year and a half it's been a disaster in terms of lifestyle, quality of life. Yeah. And so part of my theory is he wants to make it to 89. Ah. Part of my theory. And then maybe he'll just stop eating and die. Mm. Uh, but if he still wants to live, I'm giving him the support system so we can still live, but nobody visits him anymore. Uh, I often think about that, you know, the quality of life, you know, to just, to just lay there and, you know, and not have family or friends, you know, to, to come. You're fucked. Yeah. You better plan that. How old are you now? 59. Yeah, you're still young. But, you know, I collapse in the middle of my day in the damn uh, world and uh, and unfortunately my cancer was caused by a pill that I was taking religiously for my diabetes called Actos. And oh, I was on Actos. They what? took me off Actos. Well, there's a three billion dollar judgment already made and people want me to get a piece of it. So I had a lawyer, you know, they get 40 cents on every dollar. If I get something great, if I don't great, I don't care. I mean, it's my health I want. I mean, you know, but yeah, I was on Actos for a number of years. They pulled you off. They pulled me off. Yeah. You're lucky. I'm you on uh, Genuvia now. Yeah, yeah. You were real lucky. I mean, luckier than well, as you know, you would have been dead, like or like me with cancer. You know, I just had a lady say she's gonna bring over some lentil soup for me. Oh, nice. I got a lot of community people. Have any other? There's an old man picture. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's pictures there of him younger. How do you do that? Go, go to Google. Go to go find him on Skippy Love Show. You know, finally, go to, go to YouTube. Oh, go to YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when did he start doing his show? 1978. Uh, and uh, where did he start? In Theta Cable? Uh, I believe so. I think so. I, yeah. And then I came along in 81. And what was the difference between when he started in 78 and me, do you know? I don't think there was a difference. Uh, he, was, he was trying to establish himself as a Johnny Carson or a Charlie Rose or somebody who would be noticed. He thought public access was the way for some Hollywood bigwig to he see was, him. He was, he was unique, too, that his shows would originate there at, at, at your station, and he'd bicycle all over, all over the country. Oh, yeah, Chicago. He was in San Francisco. It was like six. To, it was between six and twelve different major outlets that he'd send. He just God bless him. Yeah, and so he became he became uh, uh, really popular. And these things they play they play them over and over and over. Yeah, Skippy Lowe. He also he also uh, Skippy Lowe was was gay and always was a, a champion of, 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 of uh, yeah. Can I lie and say he was gay and we were pals? <laughs> of course, yeah. because he lied and said he had sex with just about every gay celebrity there was. He didn't have sex with me. <laughs> I you known. were the one he missed. <laughs> oh, he has a, his last book before he passed away. Did you tell him the name of the book? No, it was called Hollywood Gomorrah, where he talked about all of uh, the sexual escapades of various gay stars and him as well. 
and, and his book before that was uh, The Boy with the Betty Grable Legs. I got enough bullshit. I yeah, can play him out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his yeah, opening in his West Hollywood show was far more intricate than yours. Wow. I haven't seen that. Mine was simple. I'm just trying to get to where his show starts. I don't know what all of this nonsense was. Can you fast forward it? Uh, oh, here he comes. Seventy-eight years in show business. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, no, I have the material to prove it. I'll tell you. Oh, I can't believe seventy-eight years. You are the longest. I'm telling you. Seth Milton Berle with Skippy Low. No, well, uh, I started when I was five years old. Right. Um, I don't know if you believe me. You believe, you believe anything, won't you? I know I won't believe anything, but I do believe that you started with Charlie Chaplin. No, like before that. that. Really? I was a, a boy model uh, for ads, and if you do see, if <laughs> anyway, he uh, golly, golly, golly. He, he was he was famous for not ever getting his facts right, people's names right. Is there anybody right. in the kitchen near right now? Oh uh, yes. Yeah. Who is it? Do you know? Is it Chris or Frank? It's Frank, yes. Frank, could you give me a glass of water, please? Yes. Thank you. Um, he, he was very famous for not getting people's names right or getting his facts right. Uh -huh. And one day he interviewed Romeo. And he started, the, he started, uh -huh. Romeo's dad was a famous actor. And he started the interview saying, I met your father once in a bar in Hollywood with John Wayne. Thank he you, did Frank. a lot of John Wayne movies. I wow. remember that. And Romeo said, no, he never knew John Wayne. He didn't do any John Wayne movies. So it was kind of the, the interview went downhill after that. That's a typical Skippy Low kind of way of operating. See the guy in the front room? There's these guys. They're 94. Shinebombs, Stanley, Betty, and Jenny. You know, wow. Stanley uh, married Betty. Betty was a Warner. Uh, and then Stanley took her wealth and tripled it because he was an international economist. Then they both retired and they spent the last 50 years doing a million things for all kinds of social do-goodism that they believe in. The reason they're still alive is because of their wealth. They have a half a dozen caregivers around the clock. Wow. So I said to myself years ago, I want to give Swam the same quality care that the Shine Bombs have. And there's their Christmas card to me. That's very nice, Bill. This one is my dear friend who I want on the board of supervisors next. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Janice. Oh, yeah. Han. Oh, Janice Han. Yeah, read her note. I just saw her name something a couple days ago. I pray for, your con I pray for you constantly. You have been such a blessing in my life. Stay strong. Wow. Isn't that sweet? And That's this beautiful. Is from the kid who replaced me in the government who used to be my chief of staff. Those are awesome. Bill, have a great Christmas. I'll be on my honeymoon <laughs> Sean, in Peru. Yeah, yeah. Wow, they, the wilds of Peru and, uh, said, and Colombia. And he said, I'll, I got a gift for you. I'll bring yes. you back a souvenir. Mike Bonin. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Boy, you're still in the thick of it, Bill. And you know what Bonin's doing on his birthday? <laughs> ADA Rose Picture Presents Low Wages and Bonzilla Begins. Oh, Coming to a runaway near you. Premiering Thursday. Look at that. 
and his, thumbs up. his uh, 19th of March is his birthday. Look at that. He'll be 48. Okay. Oh, look at that list of people on the Honorable Bill Rosenthal. Am I on that? Yeah, no. That's right. I didn't know that. Honorable. Yeah, yeah well, everybody's honorable. <laughs> I always used, you know. That's pretty awesome. Um, so okay, uh, I'm ready. Are you, you ready? To sit on chair? Yeah, we can sit down. I'll, I'll sit on my box here. You sure? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Sure for you right here. Yeah, I'm good. I'll be right here. Okay. I'm going to turn the camera on now. Yeah, just go ahead. the date, if I could. <coughs> so, today's date is... Uh, the 15th? We're in December 15th, and we're at the Honorable Bill Rosenthal's uh, domicile. It's like a, a, a bodhisattva house. Uh, I felt it as soon as I got here. Uh, and Bill has been gracious enough to uh, provide us with an interview what, with, with what he knows about Skippy Love. Now, what did you want, just as an opening for the credits for the editors, what do you want under your name, and how do you want your name to be written for your... First of all, the, the name is William J. Rosendahl. So what you basically do is, after the J, put in parens, Bill. Okay. This is Zuma Dog. You know that guy? Dennis B. Crazy. Oh, I've yeah. been taking care of him. Hey, babe! Oh, what'd you say? Yeah, tell me. Thanks, babe. They got the cameras on. I'm about to talk. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Talk to you later. God bless you. So what I do is William J. M. Perens, Bill Rosendahl, R-O-S-E-N-D-A-H-L. And I can say who I am after that, but that's the official me. And do you have a title? Do you have a title under your name? I... I can talk. There's no need for a title. Okay, right. Uh, you just you, you can start by saying, uh, Bill, uh, tell us about public access or something like that. Perfect. And then I'll do my shtick. Perfect. Uh, I, I guess we should turn off yeah, the phone. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, you got your yeah. phone now? Uh, it's going off now. Yeah, I'm going to turn mine off too. There you go. Okay. Just, I guess, real, real quick, now that I've got you here, could you just tell me what was your entry into, into the whole world of cable television? How did you find your place in cable television? Well, what happened was I, I was a White House appointee of the State Department, Chief of Operations of the U.S. Trade and Development Program by President uh, Carter. The President and I were friends. I had just managed a campaign for a guy named Henry Howell, who wanted to be governor of Virginia, a great guy, the President and I, and he asked me to work for him. But I turned him down. 
because I wanted to deal with my own sexuality. I was a closet gay. And I came out to my family, uh, and it was wonderful to come out to your family. I recommend it to every uh, gay person out there. The family is the most important, and once you conquer that, the rest falls in place. Uh, fortunately for me, uh, when I had that White House appointment State Department, we all were looking for opportunities after the president was no longer our president. Uh, and of course, the cable industry was looking for people with our background and stuff. So I was hired by Theta Cable as it was transitioning to Westinghouse Broadcasting and Cable. And then I worked for Westinghouse for five years. They sold out to Century Cable, and I became the CEO of Century Cable. And during that process, I created my public affairs shows, uh, which we sent all over the country. And they're basically to inform and educate and connect people to the issues of the day. I had so much fun that I did over 3,000 shows in 16 years. And they were seen all over the country, but in the LA area, they were all on cable that went up to Malibu and down and around from the Palisades over to Eagle Rock and the mountains and the hillsides, Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, West LA, and other places. Uh, and so I created a public affairs show to move closer to the constituents, um, the, the cable customer, but to provide quality programming to help people understand the issues of the day. It got so intense and enjoyable uh, that when I would go in my big Buick to something and the guy would open the door for me, oh, it's a Mr. Rosendahl. I learned English and I learned about politics. Thank you. I mean, in, in that context, which Skippy is, I'm going to go into Skippy a minute, I did the same thing with others. And people like Johnny Carson couldn't figure out how I did it without a script or a prompter. But you speak from the heart, you speak from inside, which is what Skippy Lowe did. Now, he started before me in 1978, uh, and, and it was public access at that moment. When I came in, I am a big believer in public access. I think that the airways are owned by the people. And, and giving the people an opportunity to use those airways is something we should do. And I genuinely believed it. So I nurtured public access. I gave them all the support uh, in my time in the cable business. Well, practically the whole industry shut down public access because they saw no money in it. They didn't realize that you bring people in, they bring in their people, and it doesn't make you money. They, they don't understand that public access gives the public access to the airways which the people own. So I took that literally and I fought that all the time, but I was the guy who ran the place, so I had the ability to, to make public access a genuine part of giving back and empowering people. Now Skippy Lowe turns out to be a gay guy like me, which I find intriguing and interesting. I didn't know it at the time or anything, but to give him a place to be him is what public access is all about. Good studios, good lighting camera, and then a good distribution system. Uh, and you give a person a chance who isn't part of the normal television world, they can do amazing things. Just like Skippy Lowe, you're doing a movie on him. He's 84 years old when he passed. What did he do with his life? He got everybody and anybody he could to sit with him as he did incredible interviews. I mean, just the ability to do the interview and then to have a distribution system uh, put him on a roll, as it did about a dozen other people of his ilk that I knew quite well who just continued to create quality product, build a following, and frankly, I think make the cable company look better because it becomes a win-win-win. 
cable company is sharing the public's airwaves. You know, the customers get something interesting and different when they flip the channel. They might see something they, they really like. Uh, and um, the, the individual wins in getting that opportunity to get out. So the more you find win-win-wins, everybody wins, uh, everybody is happy. Did the same thing when I ran the conglomerate uh, to pay my people a living wage. It's outrageous in this country. We pay people lousy wage, and yet they do major things that are important, and then we talk about them not having any money. Well, you know, I was fortunate enough to convince the Century Cable people to put a 401k in the hands of their workers. So 17,000 employees across the country. And the way I convinced the chairman was, you know, you have a happy uh, a staffer who makes a happy customer that helps the bottom line. And he got it, and uh, we were able to do it. So whoever had an opportunity to use power and influence to create and empower people, I did. And Cable's a perfect example. And Skippy Lowe, here's a guy from nowhere, relatively speaking, who became somebody. Uh, and he became somebody because he listened, he laughed, he looked people in the eye, and he put quality product on that a lot of people began to enjoy and became his fans. So until uh, I left there, I, I knew how public access was going. Unfortunately, when I left, they've gotten rid of public access. They don't even have local origination the way I did it, which, again, I found to be worthwhile for empowering people on the issues of the day. And today we have terrible news television, opinionated, attitudinal, they help create the story. That's wrong journalism. I don't care what they think. I want to get the principles in a discussion. Skippy was the same way. He would sit there and get them to unravel or get them to uh, share things that the, the comfortable environment gave them an opportunity to do. And they probably left some of the time saying, oh my God, did I say that? You know, uh, but they said it because he provided the environment, the comfort for it, and he listened, he kept his smile on, looked him in the eye. That's a good public access person. Wow. I didn't know you had that much to do with it. That's yeah, yeah. pretty I amazing. ran the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I believed in it and told the chairman this is a valuable thing. Don't mess with this. Nobody else did it around the country in other uh, cable companies, but... Leonard Tao, chairman of the board of Century Cable, really smart, great guy. In fact, on a more personal level, you know, same old thing, he asked me why to meet my wife and all this. Finally, I told him, I said, look, Leonard, you're Jewish. I said, I feel like a Jew in Nazi Germany. If I stick my head up, they're gonna gas me. I'm a gay man. He looked at me and said, that don't matter to me. And I'm glad he did because I would go to the bars in West Hollywood and some of the guys who don't have their act together would send postcards. We know you're gay, we saw you. You know, and we'd go up the chain of command and we get up in my inbox. And I didn't worry because my boss knew, my employees knew. I don't hide anything. Why spend time hiding things? Especially when it's your nature. And I truly believe your nature comes from God and God makes no mistakes. Just like when I personally, with the cancer that I now have, thought I was going to die and I had to wrestle my, with my Catholicism. I was raised a Catholic. And I came to the conclusion that God is love. Love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself, and don't judge. And that is the, brings everybody into the picture. I mean, Jesus said those without sin for the first time. There's so much to take from each religion where they care about their people. And all I want to do is tie everybody together. We're one family, humanity. What I love about the Jews is from, from cradle to grave, 
they take care of their people. I like that to be everybody's credo. I don't care who you are, what you are. We are all brothers and sisters. And, and, and Skippy, being who he was, was at the same ilk. I was in the position to give him an opportunity, to have an opportunity to really do what he wanted to do, like I did with a lot of other people. And, and for me, my gratification was seeing people light up, knowing they were doing the things that they believe in, and making a difference with their lives. Um, and he's an example of that. What, what's, where were you raised? What state were you raised in? I'm from Englewood, New Jersey. I'm a Jersey boy. I'm one of eight kids. Five boys and three girls, the third of the youngest. I had a great upbringing. My brother Peter and I shared our room together. Down the hall was Tommy and Stevie. My parents were in their room. My three sisters, Helen, Mary, and Joni, were in one room. And my brother Frank, who are my nephews who are here, uh, dad had his own room because he was this macho guy lifting weights and all. So I grew up in a very secure, happy mode. Uh, and, and then when I was 18, I went away to college, graduate school, the Army, Bobby Kennedy, George McGovern, all these other things. John Rockefeller read about me, you know. And, 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 and it was the upbringing, the strength of the family. And that gave me the strength to, to uh, be me first. And I wish that for everyone out there, that they get that opportunity to grow in an environment that, that gives them that energy. And I ended up getting an undergraduate degree from a Catholic college, St. Vincent's, in political science and economics. And then I got a fellowship to the University of Pittsburgh to get a master's in social work. And they paid for everything plus a stipend to live on. And that led to uh, all kinds of things with my life, including going in the army and being a psychiatric social worker and seeing eight or nine Vietnam vets a day tell you all about war. We should stop war. When the grown-ups on the planet realize it's better to have their kids playing football and sports than killing each other on the battlefield. You know how many trillions of dollars we spend on wars? You know how many young people are killed and others that are destroyed forever? Oh, we honor the dead as if they're gods, but those who come back wounded, we don't give them enough support systems. I know because as, as a vet, I've seen uh, how veterans, we have 6,000 homeless vets. It shouldn't be one. Actually, there should be no homeless people. We, it is cheaper to house a person with supportive services than in and off the street, in and out of police hands, in and out of the prisons. You give them a stable environment, give them a place, and it, it's, it's more cost-effective. Uh, we don't do enough of that. I was fortunate in my power moment at the council, I was able to house about 500 people in different ways. Uh, PATH is one group, and, and uh, some a rich guy and I built a big complex over here, uh, 124 units, 31 former homeless, the rest seniors who are poverty low end. And you know, the more you do for others, the more it does for you. You know, we're all connected. And, 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 and Skippy knew that. You want to go back to Skippy Low? He knew exactly the energies that need to play themselves out. So uh, he had an environment, and I was fortunate enough to be able to believe in that and nurture it and encourage it and, and make it happen for a lot of people and, 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 and for the joy of the customer. And, uh, you know, everybody wins in this situation. God, Bill, your voice is missing from the whole conversation these days. Isn't this great? Just, um, to, just to hear a voice. I was thinking we should voice. take these clips and put them on YouTube. Like, just so people can do whatever you want. Holy cow. They're, your, they're yours. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's like 
there's so much left in you. Your tank ain't, isn't even half empty. You still got exactly that that whole kind of the the artistic bundle of statesmanship that is still completely it's necessary. It's joy. Let me yes. tell you, you feel good. You know, uh, I never held on to money. I gave it away. I mean, I was embarrassed to make more money than most people, to be candid with you. And I would sit in the back room when they penciled it all to the top. You get the bonuses and the options. Hey, come on, take care of my worker. I mean, truth was, I was shaving one day and I, I said, I can't have that guy crawling under that mansion in Bel Air or that woman on the phone listening to this irate uh, without them being taken care of. And I convinced the chairman to give them a 401k. And, you know, I mean, for God's sake. And it made me feel good because I know how the rich are. And I know how capitalism works. But there's room in capitalism to take care of the workers. That's why today, this modern discussion about minimum wages, it's a no-brainer. should be a living minimum wage. Then you have people off the streets. You have people being spending more. Families happier. Kids growing up more nurtured. I mean, that's what we should be doing. And every kid should have an opportunity for education. And if I had my druthers, you know, and when I thought about being president, was I would have Medicare for all. That's where my tax dollars should go. Not to the insurance company, this Obamacare crap. Is an insurance company is making a profit off of me. I don't want them to make profits off of my health. That should be a responsibility of the government as part of our tax base. We pay the taxes, but what do we do with our money? We spend it on these crazy wars all over the earth. You know, we're the biggest arms salesman on the planet, you know. These two countries could be fighting against each other. They're both using American weapons. You know, who are we kidding? Who are we kidding? So I, I, I saw even a deeper opportunity with the United States of America to get beyond it. Now we're looking at a presidential election again. We're looking at them just putting in a $1.1 billion budget to at least move certain things forward. Uh, for the first time, you're seeing Republicans and Democrats working together. I mean, the people elect you when it's your job to serve them and get things done. Uh, but back to this television moment, which is easier to be candid with you uh, than government. Uh, uh, I had the blessing of the chairman. I had a personal belief that public access and local origination can make a difference in people's lives. Uh, and so I nurtured it and supported it and believed in it uh, all the time I was, I was, you know, an employee in the cable world. Yeah, you were the voice of cable television. I remember it. I remember it for the longest time that you, you just had uh, a presence that was something unforgettable. Well, flattery will get you everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all I can say is I do the best I can, you know, and I believe in people. You know, and I believe we can make a difference. And I believe we can make the world a better place. And all we have is the moment. So try to make the moment work. And with that, you know, you see people doing things that are beautiful to see. See a lot of that happening right now by a lot of the next generation and the next generation. In fact, one of the fellows who worked for me is now creating something called Sea Political, which is an app that has these funny characters talking about ballot measures and stuff, which the new generation with all of this iPhone and iPad and all these goodies, uh, that's how they communicate. And so you gotta get the millenniums at the level they're at and then take them to their next level by giving them supports within the system that they understand and work with. So my friend, Nate Kaplan, 
is moving in that direction. It's getting exciting. He's got a whole bunch of people in the industry helping him put it together. And, and I just love the idea of people understanding the political process enough to know how to vote. You know, and even though I have my own personal beliefs, I would never put them out there. It's not my job. I'm the journalist. That's what I liked about the one time, <laughs> chairman of the Republican Party in Orange County. I'm there at an event and he says, you know, Bill, we all love you. And I said, why? He said, because you don't go in with a hidden agenda to screw us. And then, I, of course, I said under my breath, yeah, you unravel yourself <laughs> and, and you expose yourself. But I did it with kindness, never nasty. You don't have to be nasty to anybody. Skippy Lowe was the same way. He wasn't nasty to anybody. A big smile, his, his eyes looking at you, you know, bringing your energy up and just moving it along. I mean, and uh, I'm just happy to hear that you're doing a documentary on him. Yeah, well, this is fantastic. We, you, Bill, we had, we had heard, uh, you know, I think you might remember that Skippy was famous for his close-ups, these extreme close-ups. And we had heard an apocryphal story that back when he was beginning, that the, the people sometimes were volunteers and not experienced, and, and that that technique that he embraced was actually a mistake of someone who didn't really know what they were doing on the camera and they just came in too close on him. Do you, do you know anything about that story? No, I don't. But if you got a face and you know how to communicate through the camera, uh, it could go in any direction. I mean, it can be a close-up or it could be an extended. But as long as he knew what was going on uh, and saw what he saw, it was for him to decide if he wants close-ups or not. I mean, that's what I would have suggested if he was upset with him. I'm not upset with close-ups. Uh, you know, your energy comes everywhere. It doesn't always have to be a close-up. It can be a wide shot. It can be a two-shot, you know, that kind, which is... If you're doing it right, you do two shots and you and you do the one-on-one -on -one shots and you that kind, and then you do the group shot if there's a group and uh, have another camera for that. But his instincts, Skippy Lowe's and mine are the same. You know, it, it's to get people to unveil themselves and giving them an environment where they can do it and, and giving them the respect at that moment as they do their thing. And once the word gets out, I'm sure they were banging on his door to be interviewed by him. Just like when Johnny Carson said to me, how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, you do your homework and you, and, and you listen to the people's answers to questions. Because that's how your best questions come, is the question of the second question. The first one you ask, blah, blah, blah. They say this or that. And then in that you hear something. You say, well, what, about, what do you mean by that? And then I have found with my own experience, people come up to me everywhere and say, you did exactly what I wanted. You, I was like, I was talking to you. Because I felt, and I know Skippy did this too, it's not the camera. You're in the living room with these people. They're real on the other end of this. This is a warm way to get to them. So I always see a camera as a warm plus. Because if you know how to use it, it does communicate what you want to communicate. It's when you're afraid of it, or you don't have your act together, or you don't know who you are, it can reveal that too. Uh, that's why it's key you do your homework. I always did my homework. Uh, so I knew what I was doing, but I didn't have to look at my notes because it was in the brain. Uh, and uh, the best question is the one on that. And when the thing was over, I forgot everything. It only lasts with you a short moment. 
but you can bring it right to you where you're as intimate as you can be. That's why, just on me on a personal level, you know, I was over at Mike Metaboy's house uh, and we were watching uh, the 1992 presidential debate, Jimmy Carter, I mean, uh, uh, Bill Clinton and his opponents. And I got in a little late, I was always late, and I sat in a big chair in the front there and the camera there, watching in his theater room. And we get up, and I get up to go to the restroom when it was a break, I'm going down the aisle and in the corner is Warren Beatty with Annette Benning. And he says, Bill, Bill, I want you to meet. And she says, Warren, you don't have to introduce me to Bill Rosendahl. She puts her hand out and she says, I'm your biggest fan. I've been watching you for years. That's how I formulate my ideas when I get out and speak. And I see her big trial and I looked at Warren and said, Warren, she's a keeper. Ha <laughs> ha. And they laughed. They ended up getting married and they have four kids in there lived happily ever after, so to speak. But uh, what was I thrilled about was that she was a fan in her own right of what I was doing. It's the same thing with Skippy. You know, uh, people who watch you, they fall in love with you if you're open and honest and they feel a good vibe. I mean, they're sitting there in their living room. They don't need to watch you. They can flip to a million other channels. But if you turn them on, that's what makes people happy. And, and part of our mission is to try to bring people together. Skippy felt the same way, obviously. To bring people together is, is, is good for all of us. We all benefit. And what he had was an unbridled opportunity. Nobody told him what to do. He was himself. And when you're yourself, and you believe in yourself, and you come from yourself, you, you'll hit a home run every time. But that's why he's here. He fell in love with him, watching him on TV. Exactly, sure. what, exactly what you're talking about. It seduces you. The television is a warm, it's not a cold instrument. It's, it's, it's the window to the people on the other side of that camera. And to them, personalities, their beings. Everybody's time is precious. You know, I mean, you either write, read a good book, or you're going to some great movie you want to see, or you're watching something on television that relaxes you or makes you laugh. And when you want to learn something, Public Access was one of those channels uh, when I was in charge that believed in giving the airways back to the people and giving them an opportunity uh, to use them effectively. It's not just for the control of the monopolies, it's for the public as well. But it doesn't happen anymore. I mean, unfortunately, I'm glad you're recording this. Um, I, I hope the new cable executives from Comcast, when they come in to take over Time Warner, uh, can see the value uh, of, of public access and connecting people to the issues. Uh, I'm in no position to do much about it, uh, but uh, I'm hopeful, I'm always hopeful. Never give up hope. That's fantastic, that's fantastic. Now I'll ask you, my, my closing question is, what's the most important thing you've learned in life? The most important thing is that we're all important uh, and that we should all love one another. We should show respect to one another. Uh, nobody should be in a position to call all the shots. We all have something to offer. Uh, you know, we're all connected. And if I believe in anything, it's the belief that humanity as a group can rise to great heights. We don't have to be killing each other over the planet like we are now. We have to grow up out of that. If we can put a man on the moon and go to Mars and do these other things, why can't we figure out how to work out our issues? Why do we have to take our young men, basically, and some women, throw them in uniforms and have them killing each other? If we're that big about it, why don't we go in there in our 50s and 40s and 30s and 60s 
if we believe in what we're doing. But our children, I'd rather they play sports uh, and do something fun that we can get as much fun. Like right now, I'm a Lakers fan uh, and I'm a Clippers fan and I'm watching both of them. Uh, you know, the Lakers are on today. They won yesterday. You know, Clippers are ahead right now. Uh, and I felt bad about that whole issue with the Clippers. And I knew that owner, uh, the guy that uh, sold it all for $2 billion the other day. Um, Jerry, you know, Sterling. Sterling. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was the cable guy and I wired all of his units. So I had a relationship with this guy over the years. I knew him quite well, as I did a lot of people who were very wealthy, who owned lots of buildings and stuff in the cable days. And then, of course, when I get into government, you look around and all the rich and powerful are trying to pull the strings on the electeds. Instead of the elected saying, hey, I'm me, and I'm going to do the best for the community. You know, you want to be with me? Great, if you don't. Like when I went, I won. I was against the, the, the establishment and all that. I would go out in the rain, knock on doors, and I would introduce myself and I'd let people talk. The word got out. It just went, got out like crazy. I ended up winning by 14 points, you know, against what they had put up. So all the developers had an after um, uh, victory fundraiser for me to clean up my debt. And of course, when my dad was cleaned up, and I walk in the room and I said, look, guys, basically men, look, you want my support? You deal with the immediate neighbors, you deal with the local homeowner groups, you deal with the committee of the city council, local council there, that is planning, the planning council of that, and then come to me. Don't try to tell me, wink, wink, and shove things down my people's throats. I don't operate that way. I work for them. And I do what's in their best interest. And if it coincides with you, great, but they're first. And I said it right bluntly in front of them. And for my eight years in government, they did exactly what I told them to do. They wouldn't get my support. They had to go through the chain of command of the community uh, before they could come to me. And it works. You know, uh, 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 you know, what's the most important thing is to be honest. Be yourself. Remember, we're all connected. You know, love one another. Uh, don't give up. You might have it tomorrow. I mean, in my personal case, now I got stage four cancer, almost dying, still probably close to death. I don't know if I'll even make it to my 70th birthday, which is in May. Um, but I am not going to quit and die. I'll die if I have to die. Big deal. We're all going to die. Just a matter if we're going to be Skippy at 84 or Bill at 70. You don't know. Obviously, we like to live as long as we can. Uh, but, uh, you know, we don't have 100% control over that. Like I have in the front room, Swami X from Venice Beach. He, he's a great comic guy and just fabulous. And right now he's spoon-fed and bathed and he has a hard time even getting a word out or opening his eyes. And, uh, you know, we'll give him quality care, but, you know, one of these days he'll just say it's time to leave. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if I have that opportunity, uh, you know, uh, but um, I'm happy to give it to my fellow human as long as I'm around. Was one of those developers that helped you pay off your debt Rick Caruso? All of them. And Rick now, Caruso, who I find to be extremely sensitive to input from community, is doing a fabulous job in the Palisades. He had a meeting the other night, 700 people showed up. Mm -hmm. And he didn't leave the room. He stayed there. And he showed what he was planning to do. He took interaction. That's quality. Yeah, he met with them six months earlier, listened to all of their ideas, everything they wanted, and 
went back to the meeting and gave them everything yeah. they asked for, and they were all flat. I mean, he's a sweet guy. Uh, he's a good guy. I love him. My uh, son works for him. Well, he's doing a good thing working for him. And, and, and he and I have a good relationship, did for the years I was in power. I don't bother anybody now because I'm out of the government and it's not my responsibility. But my successor is Mike Bonin, who was my chief of staff. He ran my campaign, is a really good, decent human being. And they're actually honoring him on March 19th. Uh, it's his uh, f 48th birthday uh, and they're doing a, a whole shtick, which I'm thrilled because Mike has become one of the most powerful members of the council with a bright future. And I think when the two women senators, our two great ladies, Barbara and Diane, retire, um, um, Eric will probably run for one of those seats and Mike could be our next mayor uh, or something even higher than that someday his life goes on. But he's a great guy and he's young enough and bright enough and open enough. And that's what you look for in politicians, people who don't have hidden agendas. Uh, people who aren't bought by anybody, people who can walk in the room like I did and like Mike does and try to hear it all out and try to figure out what makes sense. That's a successful politician. And I'll say the same thing about Herb Weston. You know, I interviewed Herb in my local origination show when he was the speaker-elect in Sacramento. He even wasn't the speaker then. We did a one-on-one, -on -one, half hour, and somewhere in the conversation, I brought it up or he brought it up, I don't remember who, we talked about gay people. And he looked right in the camera and he said, I believe in gay people. I believe in gay marriage and I believe in equal rights for gay people. And when the camera was off, I said, my God, you, you're the first one to say this. He said, well, that's how I feel. And well, then I fell in love with, with, with Herb Wesson. Then he came down to the council. Now he's the president of the council. And I coined a name for him, the Silver Fox. And he's just incredibly bright, but he's also very sensitive and very supportive of all kinds of people. You know, he's black, so blacks, you know, the Latinos know him, appreciate him. Gay people, how can they not love a guy who came out early for us? You know, it's not easy to be gay. It isn't something we choose or prefer. It's our nature. And people got to realize that some of us in the planet are, are not uh, hetero and it is not, you know, it wasn't meant to be. If we could have, we would have. Who, who doesn't want to have the kids and the grandkids and all of that? and the support that the family gives. But we're wonderful people too, and we deserve basic human and civil rights, and that's why I'm very sensitive to gay people. And unfortunately, my people are killed in other parts of the planet right now as I'm doing this interview. They're stoned to death, they're, they're fried to death, they're put in prison, uh, and we cannot let this happen anymore on the planet. It's the last group of people on Earth that haven't gotten their basic human and civil it's rights. True. And thanks for some bright lights in this country. We're much further along than that and in Western Europe, you know. Uh, but um, uh, in my world travels, I've seen some of the worst situations uh, of how people are treated. I always find it difficult to see countries who, with common borders, with their guns facing each other. Uh, uh, come on, grow up. It's one earth, one people. If I could really have my dream, there wouldn't be nation states. You know, we'd be one uh, beautiful blend of all of humanity in a very positive way. A couple of the nice places I liked were Byron, Mozambique. We had four or five nationalities blended into each person. And then the same experience I had was in Rio. 
where there's another blend of people. And you know, the people who are a blend of different races are more beautiful than the pure white or the pure this or that. They're prettier and gorgeous, both men and women. And so anybody who says hey, interracial marriage is a negative, they just don't get it because it's humanity and, and it's beautiful. You know, and uh, back to uh, public access, you know, um, if you give people access to opportunities, they'll use it. That's human nature. Uh, and giving a, a Skippy Lowe a chance to be himself and to be able to do the things he loves to do that also makes a lot of people who are watching it appreciate and the person being interviewed enjoying it. How can that not be great? And when you know that, it's in your blood. And it was in his blood, he never quit, right? He, he ends up until the end. Uh, and, and writes a couple of books, does this and that. But he became a celebrity and a personality celebrity. Uh, and I'm very proud of that and very happy that he did. And I'm very happy that I, at least when I was there, had the opportunity to nurture public access and make it real. I tried to get my other, you know, I was president of the California Cable Association, I tried to get the others to do that. They didn't get it. But you realize you get more with honey than you do with vinegar. And if you treat people right, uh, they're going to treat you right. And if you give people opportunities, they're going to seize them and it's going to be good. So on almost every level of that concept, uh, I have to believe in what I've said to myself over the years. That's why I've always been for a minimum wage that was a living wage. There's no such thing as a minimum wage if it isn't a living wage. What is people supposed to do? They can't afford it. To me, it still breaks my heart that in the Central Valley, the, the um, uh, people picking the fruit, a lot of them are kids, and they're not even going to school. I mean, a kid should have an opportunity to be educated in any dreams that they may have. Uh, and it breaks my heart to see that. And yet, you know, it might make your, your uh, grape a little cheaper. I'd rather pay more and know the worker's getting a better living. You know, that's the way it should be for everything. You gotta pay for this stuff. So, but onward and upward. Bill, do you think that there's any chance that public access will ever come back? I think it can. I think with all these channels and with all this new digitization and with all this new tie-in to the new media and the new generation and all that, there is a spot for public access. Uh, all somebody has to do who believes like I do is convince some of the people who run these places. You don't want to infringe or be a burden. You want to be an asset. And in doing that, you, you will be an asset and it will help their customers, which helps their bottom line. I mean, that's the way I positioned it. Is, is, we all win on this. It ain't just some nutcase bullshit out there. These are people who are sincerely and genuinely wanting to interact and provide and, and share. Uh, and not everybody who is somebody knows all that. And, uh, you know, uh, when you're a nobody and you become somebody through public access, you're even better, frankly, than those who are handed to on a silver platter. I mean, that's why when Johnny Carson said to me, how do you do it, how do you do it? Because he realized that it communicates. He's a communicator. I love Jimmy, I mean, uh, Johnny, more than I did these other characters that have come along. I don't have anything against the others, but, but I was a fan of his because he was a real nice guy on camera that brought people out. Same kind of stuff. 
but you know, in his world, he had too many people telling him what to do. So they end up with writers, too many writers, too many producers, you know, too many people who know it all, and you're supposed to absorb their stuff and give back some of this. A real public access person is the person themselves with their energy, putting it out there, bringing people closer to them, and then seeing the results of it. I believed in that. And that's why our public access, when I was in the cable world, was fabulous. I mean, a lot of people uh, did great public access shows uh, and uh, would still be doing them if they had an opportunity. Yeah, there were some great shows. I just I remember there was a, a very skinny girl wore her hair up and she did restaurant reviews. Uh -huh. She had a boyfriend who took her out and they would see all the big restaurants. And nice. I loved watching her show. And, and then Paul Ryan was another one that yeah. had a, you know, an entertainment type of right, right, show right, right, like right, Skippy. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I miss all that. And that's why, you know, being able to continue to watch Skippy yeah. on the, the student channel right. was a joy and a pleasure because yes. otherwise, you know, once public access went, you know, he went from Beverly Hills. Right. And so it was nice that uh, Romeo and his predecessor allowed him to keep doing his shows. Yes, yes. Well, I'm done. done Thank you yeah. for Thank, you, Thank you for sharing your time with us. God bless you and bye-bye. That's how I ended.